The opinions and viewpoints expressed in .NET Rocks are not necessarily those of its sponsors or of Microsoft Corporation, its partners, or employees. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, which is solely responsible for its content. Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter. Put down that hydraulic hard disk compressor and listen up. It's time for another stellar episode of .NET Rocks, the internet audio talk show for .NET developers with Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. This is Jeff Maciolik, here to announce show number 181 with guests Cameron Skinner and Gert Drapers, recorded live at TechEd Boston, June 12, 2006. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter, and now offering a whole suite of on-site and remote classes in .NET 2.0 technologies, online at www.franklins.net. And by Telerik RAD Controls, the most comprehensive suite of components for Windows Forms and ASP.NET web applications, online at www.telerik.com Support is also provided by Developer Express, crafting first-class tools, frameworks, and controls for the .NET developer. Online at www.devexpress.com Also by Code Magazine, the leading independent magazine for .NET developers. Online at www.code-magazine.com And now, the man who went all the way to Boston, and all he got was this damn show, Carl Franklin! Welcome to Tekken! Wow, what a crowd, Richard. Packing them in. It's unbelievable. There's no seats available in this room right now. Not a one. It's all because we were so early to get exactly what we were talking about in the booklet. That oh, yes. Everybody knew exactly what to do. The booklet says live at TechEd. Yeah. <laughs> well, welcome to .NET Rocks, everybody, and welcome to listeners at home or listening on your iPods. Uh, this is Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell here at TechEd in Boston, Massachusetts, 2006. And uh, we don't really have much... Ramble to talk about today, do we? No, no. Don't, does it make, don't think it makes sense to do emails here. We're in right. kind of a live situation. You just uh, did a session, though. I that was literally just did a session. I did my querying session, which I've done a bunch of times. In fact, the first time I did that querying session was 1997. Yeah. And the only reason I wrote that session is that it didn't exist, and I always wanted to go to it. So <laughs> the only way I could go to it was to do it myself and just collected all my best querying ideas and, uh, and turned them into talk. And it's just evolved over the years. And it was pretty popular. Uh, I had a standing room only in a room of 1,500 people, I figure. It was, great. it was full. And they've asked me to repeat it, too. So I'm going to do it again on Thursday. Oh, that's great. So, yeah, no, I'm Richard excited. Richard Campbell, great ladies session. and gentlemen. Hey. Thanks. And you got to drive down here. You didn't yeah, have to fly I, across the country. And I actually drove up, not oh, right, down. Right. I don't drive I down. Yeah, keep I keep track up. all these northeastern states. They're little. Yeah, it's <laughs> true. Uh, everybody enjoying the Boston streets? 
<laughs> and the, how long does it take you to get here in the morning? Uh, 40 minutes. 40 minutes. And you only went 100 feet. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Less than three miles. These are the most circuitous bus routes I've ever seen. That you see the same building from all sides before you actually get to where you want to go. Oh, my goodness. Um, I only have one other thing to say. And that is, uh, while you were doing your session, I was looking at the stats. And as you know, in April, we moved our server to uh, a bigger pipe. And so May has been the first contiguous month where we've been able to measure the downloads without any interruption. And we have doubled our downloads. In wow. May, we've got 200,000 downloads in May. Yeah. <laughs> so this show just keeps getting bigger and better. And without any further ado, we're going to introduce our guest. Today, we're talking about Data Dude, which is the code name for uh, Visual Studio Team System for Database Professionals. And we're here with Gert Drapers and Cameron Skinner. Welcome, guys. Well, thank you very much, Carl and uh, Richard. Yeah, great. We're, we're really glad to be here. Awesome. Now, so, you know, go ahead. both Carl and I are regional directors. And one of the interesting things about being a regional director, you, you know, you sort of trade a bunch of your time off for having access to a lot of information. So, I mean, I've known DataDo was coming for quite a while. But we only were able to say this is going to be a show like last week. Right. We knew we wanted to do a show at TechEd. We weren't sure what we wanted to do it on. We tried a lot of different ideas on. And the whole time, this thing was churning and moving closer, yep. moving closer. And all of a sudden, it was like, hey, we're going to get a release just before we uh, go to TechEd. Maybe we can make this a show. So, I mean, I'm completely stoked because I love the product, right? I'm a database developer, plain and simple. I do more work in that area than just about anything else. And finally, finally... We're right. first-class citizens in the studio space. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you had to wait that long because we didn't have a public announce until May 31st. Yeah. That's when we became public. 12 days ago, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's when we announced, that's when we uh, basically told everyone, listen, TechEd uh, in Boston 2006 is when you're going to get the first CTP uh, available in the TLC area. You can go grab the bits uh, today, uh, and we're going to release by the end of this year. Awesome. So, Cameron, you have the microphone. Why don't you start by telling us a little bit about who you are, and, uh, sure. and then we'll pass to Gert, and then we'll sure. get into the product. Sure. Great. Uh, yeah, my name is Cameron Skinner. I am the product unit manager uh, for the team that is bringing you uh, this product. Uh, so if you really like it, you know, come up here and talk to me. If you don't, talk to Gert. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, but we are pushing this product. You know, I'm actually fairly new to Microsoft uh, and came on to Microsoft last June to start this initiative. Uh, we've been, we've been uh, you know, really pushing hard to get this thing in your hands by the end of this year. Awesome. Well, so my name is Gert Drapers. I'm actually the development manager and architect for this product. Uh, I'm in SQL Server since 1988, so I started with the brown box and... 286 processor and started from there working at Ashton Tate. And this was, I wanted to write tools, as many of you know, as I, I created Query Analyzer. Um, it's one of the tools I still appreciate. This is the guy. Uh, the guy. <laughs> so I thought it was about time for Visual Studio to grow up and have a real database environment. So that's actually what I'm doing right now. Yeah. Well, thank you. So tell us about this product. What uh, We obviously can tell from a few things about it from the title, but just give us the elevator speech. Sure. 
He gives he g- gives it to me to give the elevator speech. Uh, yeah. So what this product is all about is is to enable the data development lifecycle. And w- so what is that? The data development lifecycle, as we see it, is the ability to manipulate your your metadata, uh, that is your database schema, okay, and do that in a way that is offline. So you're not attached to your production server when you're trying to make a change. The whole concept here is, you know, minimize the, the risk involved in evolving your database schema, okay? How do we do that? We do that by, by supporting an offline environment. So we give you tools to pull down the metadata from your production server and, and have that metadata resident in a, in a project that you can create inside Visual Studio, and then allow you to provision a testing environment where you can deploy that, that metadata into, we can generate data into there, we can generate, uh, create uh, database unit tests uh, to, to uh, go against that data, and basically prov- uh, provide an iterative model where you can evolve your database without uh, you know, fear of hurting uh, yourself, your teammates, or your production server. For me, I mean, the thing that non-database developers can forget very easily around database development is we never get to replace anything. It's always a patch. Because if you replace the table, it's kind of hard on the data. So if you want to add a column, you've got to alter. And, and those, that patch approach, which, I mean, you do occasionally in code, but you usually don't. These days, largely, you replace EXEs. You don't have to, to modify the EXE. That patch approach means you have to do it in a specific order, you have to be sure you started at the right point of changes. You have to keep track of all those changes. And you've got to be pretty sure of what you're doing. Like doing a rollback mm. on a patch model, mm. very tough to do. Well, yeah. and, and not only that, I mean, one of the reasons why we're in the Visual Studio Team suite, so we're the fourth role in the suite, is, is we wanted to bring the data, de- the data development lifecycle in with the rest of the software development lifecycle. And so the idea is, understand what the metadata for your database looks like right alongside with the application that sits on top of that database. So, you know, we, we're allowing you to bring that metadata local and we uh, are breaking that metadata into small SQL files that are just files on your project system that you can then version control. So yeah, you I was can- gonna say, it might not be obvious to everyone listening, but all of the team system features are available that apply to, to databases like version control. Exactly. The, the foundation the, server. That's, that's right. So once you create that database project, once you install those the CTP bits, uh, you then have the ability to version control your database metadata right alongside the application that is built on top of that database. So you know when you're talking about a rollback or anything like this, you, you have a concept of what you know, what is the, the, the application that was actually associated with this particular version of the metadata. Yeah. You know, and we make that whole process a lot easier. Now, along the way, you've got a lot of new tools and some tools that DBAs may or may not be uh, ready for or familiar with, but uh, refactoring data. Yeah. This is a, a very cool thing for me. Uh, so is this, is this for me? Is this for Joe Developer? Or is it just for the DB admins out there, this product? No, no. This, this product is, uh, if you're doing anything around a database, yeah. if you can spell database, <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> This product. So a developer who's working on store procs and data schemas. Absolutely, absolutely. So the idea is, yeah, we're bringing a new term to the database world, refactoring. Right. So a lot of guys who have been doing C-sharp and VB uh, are, are now accustomed to this term. But we're, we're now bringing that to the database world. And we have a concept of saying, look, if you need to rename, let's say, a, da- a database column, 
we're going to handle the propagation of that change throughout your database, wherever that is referenced. So in your stored procs, in your views, your indexes, et cetera, we will drive that change through the data tier. And is that where it stops? Does it go into the code as well if you have code that references those stored procs and tables and something changes? Uh, we have a, uh, a, a rich area of, 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 of future work. Okay. <laughs> Very good. So what he really wants to say, not today. Yeah, yeah. okay. And you know, so I, right now we're stopping at the database boundary. Our project <laughs> is managing the SQL Service schema. Yeah. We refactor into scripts, into our unit test, into our data generation plans but not yet into the application tier. Because the keyword is yet. You clearly had plans to do yep. this. Because right. we're in a common tool environment, I guess that becomes very reasonable to do. Sure. Yes, definitely. Wow, that's great. This portion of .NET Rocks brought to you by Telerik RAD Controls, the most comprehensive suite of components for Windows Forms and ASP.NET web applications online at www.telerik.com. Um, what are some of the other features besides the refactoring? What are the, what are the big ones here? Well, so besides refactoring, I think the whole environment is targeted around mitigating risk. And the way that we want to do this is by allowing people to actually test their database. Yeah. How many of you are testing databases today, actually? I see. I don't hear it. Let's uh, Ten hands. Clap. Yeah. We need clap. That's not many people. Not many, yeah. All right. Okay. And... First thing, if we want to mitigate risk, is like you want to have something to verify your changes. So a regression test suite, a unit test suite, is what we're introducing. Now, automatically falls out the next question is like, so what do we test against? Does everybody have realistic test data? Well, you cannot do this on your production data because you're legally not allowed. There are privacy issues, yeah. there are encryption issues. So the other big thing we're introducing is a tool to generate realistic test data that wow. understands yeah, your great. data, your, that understands your schema, your constraints, yeah. your, your domain value. Right. Um, so you can actually generate a set of test data that you can repetitively test against. Now, I'm always surprised how often I have to fabricate test data like that. Quite a lot of my projects are fairly high security, and we want to use a contractor, and we want to sort of test them out. So I have to dummy up a set of tables that are similar to ours, but not the same, so we don't giving away any secrets, and then load them with some kind of relevant data and say, this is what I want you to demonstrate that you, you could do for me. Yeah. But in re reality, it's like not many people have a realistic set of test data. I agree. Yeah, it's right? and therefore, their, their query performance is most of the times off. Yeah, and you end up, the number of times that you, it tests beautifully, put it in production, disaster. Yeah. I think the biggest things you run into, especially with test data, is it's not dirty enough. That real production data has nulls where there shouldn't be nulls and duplicates right. where there shouldn't be duplicates and all those kinds of things. So they give me some tools to make my data more realistic. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Now, um, can tests be written in other language, in any languages, or just T-SQL? Or what's so, the story there? Since, since we're a database product, really, it's like we gone to great lengths to make our test environments really accessible for the T-SQL-only developer. Uh, but we're extending the test functionality in Visual Studio. And okay. so that has a C-sharp or a VB.NET foundation. 
Yeah. So what, what under the covers actually happens is we're generating C-sharp or VB.net test code. Now, if you're a T-SQL guy, you don't have to see this. Sure. You can just work in T-SQL. But if you want to be this application developer and want to extend this, oh, yeah, go ahead and you can party on and use it from there. And this is really um, uh, another milestone in d Microsoft's desire to make the database administrator sort of more um, more of a team player with the code, and you know, getting the, the the CLR into SQL Server was a good step. What if you talk to a lot of DB admins? Are they are they taking the bait? Are they moving into this new world? Uh, what 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 what's your thoughts on that? Well. Before we started this project, actually, that's all we did. Talk yeah. to DBAs and not only SQL Server DBAs, but also Oracle DBAs and IBM DBAs or mm. database developers. And that's why we came up, actually, with the term database professional. Yeah. Because, like, nobody could describe their own job. Like, DBA, <laughs> what are you doing? Um, database developer. Right. And mixing and matching in some jobs, is, it's the jack of all trades. Um, and we asked them, what is your problem? Right. And what, what are you struggling with? And what is the tool set that you acquired over the years? And we added all that information up, and out of that came actually this We product. need more control. No, yes. <laughs> but I think it's also a centralization of tools. I mean, a lot of the bits that we're doing here exist elsewhere, right? I mean, you can round up your own suite. That's right. You've sort of pulled it together for us. It's in That's one right. place. Mm. Yeah, it's one of our biggest value adds, actually, is, is the fact that we're, we're taking a lot of these uh, features that do exist in the market today, standalone features, and we're actually integrating them together, leaning on them together uh, and into one integrated development environment, uh, leaning also on the, the frameworks that are in Visual Studio Team System uh, yeah. itself. So to give you an example of that, we're just talking about the data generation and the database unit testing uh, facilities. Well, when you create your database unit testing project, you can take, you can essentially uh, establish the data generation plan, so the designer, with the unit testing, okay, so that when I generate, when I go and run my tests, we can actually automate the auto-deploy of mm. the schema from the project. Now, in CTP3, that isn't quite there. You have to manually deploy, but by the time we RTM, that'll work. And then when we generate uh, at the same time, that will also generate, regenerate all that test data, so establish the state cool. of that test uh, environment for you. So it's leaning and, and, and kind of filtering into each other uh, through the workflow. Right. I mean, pulling all those bits together so they, they sort of coordinate. That's right. Uh, I think... I'm just so excited about it. Uh, let's move to deployment. Am I now going to be able to put my database and those changes? Is, well, actually, before we get to deployment, let's talk about the classic problem of getting to deployment, which is we've made a whole ton of alterations to the test database. We've been experimenting with things, putting things out, taking things on, and so forth. And maybe we've lost track. You know, mm -hmm. I'm supposed to, every time I make an alteration, I supposed to put it to a script, but I don't always. You know, you tweak something, you change something. It's all in the test base anyway. But now I'm at the point where it's like, well, what's different in my test database versus my production database? Yeah. So we've, we've got a number of, of, uh, of, of facilities, actually, to help you there. We have the ability to say, hey, what's different at the schema level uh, between this project and that database? And so we'll actually show you the differences. Uh, we'll generate Sweet. out a script that will sync those differences. Um, or we'll just do it, you know, you can hit the button and we'll just... Uh, make the changes Propagate for you. Propagate the changes up. Yeah. yeah. Um, we also have uh, established a build mechanism in the project system. So, 
you know, we're establishing a concept of what it means to build a database. Hmm. Uh, so we actually have two build types uh, for the project, uh, a new deployment and an update deployment. Uh, and we essentially can say, hey, listen, for this, for this uh, particular uh, database, uh, I want to update, I want to make that, uh, sync that with my project. Right, or I'm going to go provision a new database uh, from my project system uh, and create that database from scratch. That's awesome. Any, I, I mean, if, if I think about a shrink wrap app where you have multiple versions shipping, and every version makes change to the database, you end up having an update build and a new build. Hmm. Right, a new build, no data, no database, everything needs to be set up. Update build, I have data, but maybe I have several revs. Right, I'm at 1.2. <laughs> Your latest build is 1.7, and we shipped, there was three builds in between. Have you got something to help me? So right now, in the current provisioning, it's like we actually need to understand what the target database structure is. Ahead of time. Ahead of time, when we, when we build the changes. Right. Uh, this is some future work that we're planning, but right now, it's like we have to know, when you say build, it's like, hey, this is what your target looks like, so we can create the correct differencing script. Right. We cannot... Otherwise, we would have had to know about all the iterations in between. In between, yeah. Which we do know the iterations, but we didn't want to build that into a gigantic script right now. Yeah. Well, and so I can see, all right, maybe I'll produce a 1.2 to 1.7, a 1.3 to 1.7, and I could do that. And as long as I have a target database for each one so that you can get the script right, the bottom line is it's going to do the database too. That's correct. That, that to me, I think is insanely huge. Yep. That it's actually going to, the database changes are part of the MSI. You, you can do that. Put it package. Yep. I mean, package it however you want, but that's one packaging yep. mechanism. Very good. So, um, what about extensibility? Can uh, a developer get their claws in there and hook in to uh, this whole system like they can in other Visual Teams system SKUs? So, for first release, we have a bunch of extensibility points. So, for example, in our data generation story, it's like we allow you to actually create new data generators, create new d data distributions. Um, so you can plug that in. Um, the schema bound generator, actually, which is a dictionary lookup, allows you to take your own data sets and use these as inputs. So that's a, wow. a, a, a much easier scheme for extensibility, actually. Yeah. Um, so that, that's one area. Then there are extensibility points inside the unit testing because that really generates code. So sure. you can actually bring in things there. We haven't opened up the, the schema model for this release, uh, mainly because it's like we, we tried to deliver this project in really nine months. Yeah. So it's, it's one big burst exercise. Um, You've you got to cut something. Yeah. You can't do it all and get a version out we, that quickly. We ha after nine months, we have to cut the cord and give it to the customer. Right. Um, and so see what they do with it, too. Extensibility, therefore, is like we push to the next step. Uh, because we want to learn what people want to do, where they want to extend, how they want to extend, and how this plays into other databases. Let me, let me just add something to that. Uh, you know, the fact that we're, we're releasing CTP3 here at TechEd, uh, and we're not going to release until the end of the year, we really, really, really want to get feedback early and feedback often on this. Because, yeah, we can't possibly get it all in there. We're running out of runway. But we do want to get you know, some real scenarios from, from you folks uh, and understand what, what should we do if we, you know, if there's two things that we could get in uh, before we RTM, what would those two things be? I'm sure you're sitting with like 30 features you could be adding. Oh, or you all want to add them all, but you're only allowed to get three that's right. by the end of the year. And, the, the, and that's the hardest part of my job is to say, no, Gert, you can't do it. Put the keyboard down. <laughs> We want to so, do it all. Exactly. I so, mean, for me, and I, I got to admit this, 
I'm just happy there's a skew. I mean, the fact that there is now <laughs> yeah. a product called right. Visual Studio for database professionals it means it will be right eventually. That's right. right. You know? It sometimes takes a few versions to get there, but we're okay with that. As long as you, we know we're going down the path, we're going to get it. Yeah, that's true. So what do you guys think? Sound good? Yeah. Awesome. This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by Developer Express, crafting first-class tools, frameworks, and controls for the .NET developer. Improve your experience online at www.devexpress.com. All right, so I've been, I, I took a look this morning at uh, some of the blog posts that are out there and some forums and questions people are asking. <clears throat> And so I can tell, you know, that getting back to this big set of things that you intend to do for upcoming releases, let me just tick off a couple of them. IntelliSense. Right. Yeah. Um. And, and <laughs> so the, apparently there's a, quite a few people who want IntelliSense, and I saw your answer to one of them, Gert, was, okay, just how would that work? Yeah. Um, select. So what what happens then? I, um, so I'll start and I'll give it to Gert because this yeah. is 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 definitely one of those features that isn't in V1 that uh, irks every single every single one of us on the team. Yeah. We really 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 wanted to solve this problem. Yeah, I have a really hard time uh, coming up here and saying, "Yeah, the database professional is a first class citizen in, inside yeah. Visual Studio." Yeah. Except, Except for IntelliSense. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it obviously is going to take a little bit of thought because it isn't like another language in Visual Studio. You can just, oh, everything's, well, yeah. That's right. Well, I mean, here's the thing. We, we are in a good spot to, to really solve this in a, in, a, in a fundamental way, and that is the fact that we now have the metadata is offline. One of the bigger problems around providing IntelliSense for uh, databases is this concept of, is the catalog refreshed? Are, are we pulling down the metadata and, and, and storing it locally? Yeah. And if you are, then when are you refreshing that, that, that cache data? Right. Well, the good news is we have that local. Right? That cool. our, 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 the foundation that we're laying here solves that problem completely. Uh, and so we're going to be in a good spot to, to do something very interesting. So when we do turn our sites on IntelliSense and the sites are on IntelliSense, we're going to do something... Uh, fundamentally different and, and interesting uh, when okay. we finally do ship that. All right, good. Do you have anything to add to that, Gert? No, I just wanted to add that you won't let me edit. But... <laughs> <laughs> it's not my fault. So I take it you wanted to, well, we won't get into that. Yeah. Um, but you, know, you can understand the basic issue here. If you yeah. don't want to impact the database every time someone starts typing a selection sure. because it's got to go fetch the catalog. That's again. right. Yeah. You've got to have a mechanism for storing it locally and knowing when to refresh it. And SQL syntax is bad for IntelliSense. You've got to write the yeah. from clause first. I mean, you've got to. Yeah. Well, it's like, first of all, the language is pretty backwards. And as you said, it's like you don't want to hit the database. And not to add to that, it's like there is a whole disconnected scenario, which is like our editor works mm. completely disconnected. Right. So, and people want IntelliSense, even if, if you're disconnected, inside the right context. Right. And what a lot of these is like, I know there are tools out there and they try to do a really good job and, and, and customers really like it. Uh, if I look at it, it's like they don't, still don't understand things like a global namespace. Like, right. oh, you have things in master which are living inside the global namespace. You need to recognize that too. 
Or I've created a temporary table earlier in the store procedure. I need to right. reference those columns. So yeah. it's, it's like you need to have the context of the schema in which you operate when you're doing IntelliSense. Right. And so that, that's what we want to solve. And as Cameron said, it's like we're not going to pull this off right now. But no. sure. It suddenly occurs to me, you basically have to write another SQL processor so inside we, of the IntelliSense mechanism. So funny that you mentioned that because we actually did. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things is like, is you, if you look at the CTP today, is like we, we will claim that we support 2000, SQL Server 2000, because every object that we bring into this system, we parse. Right. We know up to the variable level that, hey, this is a variable called name, and you created it a varchar. But you're binding this to the column on the left, which was actually an nvarchar. Right. And we can tell you that there was a size difference and that there was a type difference, and that you're actually doing an implicit conversion under the cover. Right. right? Because that's the level of detail to which we understand the schema after we brought it into our project. And cool. th that level of understanding is fundamental for solving the IntelliSense problem. Right. Because it isn't just IntelliSense. I mean, you want to really have sort of mini code generation going on in there. You may, you may want to do those conversions, uh, functions, and pull those things up if that's what's required. I mean, you, you can see this as laying the foundation for a whole new way of developing yeah. T-SQL. The main goal that we have is, like, we want to be able to provide the user, when he's editing anything, not just IntelliSense, but when he's editing, he needs to have the context. Yeah. And that context is most of the time established outside the batch that he's editing. Yeah. Right, or outside of the procedure that he's creating or outside of the table that he's creating because that <coughs> schema information lives elsewhere. Mm. Right? And that's what we're pulling together. Mm. Yeah. Okay, uh, support for other databases, such as, uh, you know, the O. Don't say the O word. I, I said the O word. <laughs> I didn't say it. Yeah. So we, uh, that is what our V2 is all about. So okay. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. So we are uh, providing an accessibility yeah. mechanism. That's good news. Yeah. So it's not the only thing our V2 is no. not, but <laughs> it is definitely one of these things where we are going to provide an extensibility mechanism so that third-party RDMSs can, can play in our sandbox, essentially. Well, okay. I mean, Microsoft's always had a lead in the development environment. So, I mean, you're doing the same thing to databases now. This tool will be so far ahead of what the others have. Yeah, I mean, we, and, and this is by design, right? I mean, we, 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 there's a number of different ways we could have gone with our V1. Uh, and we didn't want to do an, a Me Too. We wanted to solve mm. a, a fundamental problem, which yeah. was the manage change and mitigate the risk around that. Yeah. Uh, we did a number of focus groups to help us figure out what, where is the pain point that we want to solve. Right. And, and the interesting thing was we, we did focus groups in... Boy, where was it? New York, Atlanta, Chicago, L.A. And the only thing that was consistent across all of those, besides the need for IntelliSense, uh, was <laughs> the, the change management piece right. of it. Was, yeah. was just, you know, folks, and the, and the thing that's interesting about this is that the, the database folks that we talked to, they have been limping for so long with the, lack of the, with the lack of ability from the tools to be able to control change management that they almost yeah. forgot about it. They've been limping. Yeah. They've got this stake in their arm, right. you know, and they're just used to it. You know, so when we start talking about, well, what if we gave you the ability to do this and this and this? They're like, oh, yeah, i got to have that. <laughs> so we're talking about team system being the environment for managing source 
control mm-hmm. and for handling revisions and yes, but all of that. Uh, but also you, you're also able to um, you get into the work item tracking. So so right. Visual Studio Team System and Team Foundation Server has a number of of mechanisms that we're hooking into. For instance, the work item tracking. Right. So let's say you're running your your database unit test and it fails for some reason. I can right click in my test results pane, right click and say create work item. So I can essentially, if I know, hey, the guy who owns that stored proc over here, his stuff broke uh, for mm-hmm. some reason. I can mm-hmm. actually create a work item, associate the results of that test, send it to him. Right. He can then grab the bits into his environment and do, you know, do his thing. And we get all this team foundation record of who, got, who did what, where they did it, where the error occurred, who took it on the, the bug fix, who fixed it, how the test result. I mean, all that stuff just falls out of this naturally. Absolutely, absolutely. And then, you know, you can also start talking about the policies be- before you check in, right? And you can start leaning, uh, you can start applying those policies to the database side. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, naming conventions? So, we're not quite there. No? No. Not quite uh, at the point where we want to get full static analysis. You know, okay. of, Maybe of regression? But, yeah, you, 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 know, you need to actually have, uh, let's say, unit tests for you know, these stored procs done. Right? right? You need to have full coverage that way. Right? These sorts of things. Right? Yeah. Uh, and also, with the, the process guidance inside Visual Studio Team System, you know, we're going to have a refresh of that guidance and talk about best practices right. and actually have that in the mm. tool that can drive... Uh, you know, best practices around the data development lifecycle. So, I mean, irrespective of the features specific for the database professional working, there's also, you're not living in team system. All of this stuff comes to you. And it does occur to me that, you know, the majority of the people that be looking at this would be DB admins who may not have been paying attention to the team system. To what's happening in studio. may not know about all those great features. That's right. That's right. So it's up to, to the developers who are familiar with Team System to educate those people. Yeah. That's right. And out. themselves, of course. That's why they're listening to .NET Rocks. All right, <laughs> so if I can get back to uh, some of the things that you might want to be interested in in the future, uh, I'm sure you have a list, but modeling tools, mm-hmm. diagramming, anything mm-hmm. like that? So not in our V1. Uh, you know, again, we're, we're all about the managing that change. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so the rich, the rich modeling tools that you see out there, you know, the, the Irwins, the Embarcadero, ER Studios, these right. sorts of things, um, will, you know, continue to remain in importance. But this is an area that, you know, you start talking about the next version of Radio.net, and these guys right. are talking about entity designers, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Right. You know, we, we're going to want to tie that in yeah. and understand what that looks like and, and really have a rich link to link. Yeah. Uh, and we are walking towards the concept of declarative data modeling yep. as yeah. part of your app. Yep. That, that, that really becomes metadata that's used everywhere. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's an important uh, concept to be, to be able to really consume what is going on with the language integrated queries and how does that impact, you know, entity mm-hmm. design, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, working against OLAP? Databases uh, in the future. So could, why do I get this? Yeah, Gert, <laughs> Gert, we could use some OLAP tools, love too. You know, really. So, so I have RDBMS stamped on my forehead. <laughs> um, so, I, I, although I worked in the same organization that did the same tools, um, so I think the closest we'll get for now is like what Cameron just described when. The entity model is going to join with the database model, mm. and the OLAP guys are going to work off the entity model instead right. of the UDM. 
Mm-hmm. I think this is where the first time there is an opportunity where these two worlds are coming together. Interesting. Because, um, I mean, the two products are shipped together, but they are different products. They're two different products. Very, yes. very much different they, products. They work together. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes. Most, well, of, most of the time. Most times. <laughs> yeah. So no, but it's, it's like they're two different products. They're two different units. It's like uh, they do talk to, uh, to each other, but it's like, um, yeah, that's it. Yeah. All right. Well, we got about 10 minutes for questions. If anyone has a question, step yeah, up to the microphone. Please come up to the microphones, and we'll, we'll do it that way. Don't be shy. Here's a question for you. Go DTS, ahead. DTS, or what is it now? SSIS. SSIS. So these units of work, which are not database schema per se, are they part of this? Am I not going to get version control over them? Am I going to get testing on them? So right, right now, it's like uh, the answer is no. <laughs> uh, but you can't imagine a world. It's like if, if you think about, for example, the refactoring example that we showed today, it's where we refactor into our unit test. We refactor into your T-SQL scripts. Um, we refactor into our data generation descriptions. Um, it's not far-fetched to actually imagine that we refactor, for example, into an RDL description, right? right? Because take reporting services. Because if your, your schema changes, you might as well update that report that uses that schema yes. because otherwise that report will be broken down the road. Mm. The same is true for SSIS. Um, the other place where SSIS could plug in very nicely is once we actually roll out your schema changes and we would need to do data movement. Right. Right. So these are things that are on the radar, and it's like we are trying to see how that's all fitting in. Interesting twist to use SSIS to propagate the changes. Well, it's like we have a high-performance facility for doing ETL, for transforms and loads. Right. Um, we have the knowledge of the schema. We have the knowledge about the pre- and post-schema, so we could actually factor a package on the fly if we would need to. Right. Right now, that's way out of scope. Yes. Yeah, there's a but few it's, versions out. It's, uh, that's definitely the direction in which we're, uh, we're leaning it's into. Certainly, it's an opportunity yeah. for you. It's sitting there. It'd take advantage of that. Okay, we got a question. My question is, if you do a schema change, um, do you have a way to manipulate the data as part of the schema change built into the system? So that, you know, let's say I want to change a variable type and I want to modify it on the fly as part of the schema change. Do you have a way to do that? So... What, what, the question really is like, so when there is data motion, are we able to actually hook into this? Hi, is that the way that uh, yes. gesture? Yeah, not just, I mean, it's one thing to add a column or even delete a column, but I want to alter a column. I want to change something in it that needs a rule. All right. So r- right now it's like we, we, you, we can generate the build scripts um, with certain options to allow you to actually hook into these points. Uh, but we'll just generate a stop saying it's like this is where you would need to do this. Right now we're we're not generating this. We can just create a placeholder in the script. By default, if there is a data movement operation that we can't handle without destructing data, we'll actually fail the build. Nice. At right. least you don't damage the data. I mean, that's right. always so the, my concern. So yeah. the, the biggest thing is it's like DBAs need to be able to trust the tool. Yeah. So our default options are all around if we don't know what to do or it's like we know that there is a danger in doing this, we will fail it and we let the DBA take corrective action. Great. My my instinct on this as a DBA, um, don't worry, we'll get to your question, is that I'm going to want you to generate scripts. I don't want you to change anything for me. Right. Give me the scripts. Let me read what you're up to. 
So one of the so it's funny that you say that actually because like one of the, when we started off, um, I was really big and it's like all right, I'm going to create this canonical format to store metadata, right? Take an XML hammer, whack it into angle brackets. Mm. <laughs> um, so and then I started talking to DBAs and it's like, no, are you insane? It's like I don't have any tool that understands this. It's right. like I want to have .sql files. Yes. That's what my tool understands. It's like, I want you to generate .sql files because I can open them up in Query Analyzer before I, you execute them. Yeah, because I don't to. trust you. Yeah, you're exactly and, right. And they're right, right? It's like, why should they? It's like, this is a tool. It should generate a, something that they can understand and they can leverage and reuse. I think about so, what we did with Enterprise Manager. That Yeah, you used to always generate the script first and look at the change. And after a while, you began to believe it's doing it right and let it do it. So mm -hmm. you know that there's actually a spy option in Enterprise Manager you can turn on so it just sees like, all the scripts it generates while yeah. you're clicking along? <laughs> I didn't tell you that. Oh, did, no. did you have something to do with that? Yeah. Uh, got another question? Yes. Yeah. How does this relate to the various uh, flavors of Microsoft's Link project? Link. Yeah, the word came up ever so briefly in conversation before. I'm yeah. glad you brought us back to that. Yeah. So, so V1, essentially nothing. <laughs> um, but Link starts shipping it anyway. Well, yes. Yeah. It's not there, right? It hasn't shipped yet. There, you can get CTPs for Link, which is the language integrated queries, right? But here's, here's where things get interesting. So just to be clear, it's not there. We're not going to have anything for RTM because Link won't be available by then as well. Right. Um, but this is going to be a rich area, a very rich area of opportunity where we can start taking our refactoring uh, mechanism and understand what that would mean up into the end tier. So for instance, if you, are, if you have a, uh, a link query that is using a particular column that I'm now refactoring, we'll, we could detect that. You know, we could see that in the um, browser files in your, uh, you know, your class files. And how does that compare with the IntelliSense and link? what you're doing? Uh, very different. Very different. Uh, link, link, uh, it's, 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 a very, it's very different. It, yeah. Okay, we have another question. Go ahead. Yeah, just talking about link when, and, and IntelliSense, when will we get to the point where you're going down the IntelliSense line, you've got your database, table, column, you start selecting <laughs> At that level, is that is that what Link's going to bring us, or is that is that a whole different IntelliSense issue? Actually, it's it's a much closer IntelliSense issue to what we have today because what Link really does is by the fact it brings the entities into the namespace of the VB and C Sharp developer, and there therefore there are already classes representing this, and they adding language constructs, you automatically get the IntelliSense for free. And if you went to one of Pablo Castro's sessions, talk who's, who talked about Link, it was actually a session before this one and he will do a repeat later, later this week, you will actually see it's like the IntelliSense you get for free because it's like the entities that are generated under the cover based on the descriptions. This is completely orthogonal to solving the T-SQL IntelliSense question because that language will still be backwards. Right. Yeah, and I, I remember reading in the original Link spec that I'm talking about, well, SQL's backwards, so this is how we're going to do it in Link. To yeah, they actually address changed, that issue. changed the constructs and the order in which you define things to facilitate yeah, the Yeah, from clause comes first. Yes. That's the basic concept. Yep. Russ, you got a question. 
Yeah, I do. Uh, I was just wondering if you had any integration with the Enterprise Libraries data access block, uh, any code generation features, for example, for using databases with this, or what the direction is on that? So right now, is, there is no integration yet. Um, there's nothing spinned up as far as I know. It's like I've been talking to some of the code generation guys to actually start integrating with this. So I know, for example, a project that's out there called Olimars, which is a, some, written by some Microsoft consultants. He's actually currently taking this and starts to base his generation work on this. Um, but these are just baby steps. Uh, let me add to that. I, I know that uh, the PAD guys are working real close with Team Architect SKU in DSTS, uh, and we're going to start seeing a more tighter collaboration between, uh, you know, factories and what PAG is doing, et cetera. Yeah. So as that begins to get more real, you know, then we're, we'll start looking at what's synergistic with what we're doing as well. Okay, thanks. Just got some links here for uh, everyone in the audience, and we'll put this on the website as well. Uh, this is the, uh, the links nope. to get access to the CTP. Cameron? Yes. Yes. So what you're going to see oh. here, okay, yep. great, is uh, access to our team site today, uh, the product form where you can ask, you know, if you didn't feel like getting in front of the mic today, you know, feel free to hit the forums and ask some questions. We, my team is, is all over that forum. You'll see Gert all over the place on that thing. Uh, I've asked, answered a couple as well. Um, Probably if you Google data dude, you'll hit something, right? Uh, if you have no URLs in front of you, you're listening to this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you start, we're starting to get into more of the search engines with, uh, like, database professional for sure, that sort of thing. Mm. Um, but you'll see the power toys and samples. We've got a workspace up on got.net. That'll start, we're going to start pushing things uh, into there, into that workspace. And then blogs. So Gert's got a blog. Uh, I've got a blog. The, the team has a blog. Um, but... Please check these out because uh, we're going to try to keep these uh, going, l allow you to see kind of where we're at in the process, and, and again, just another vehicle to get more feedback on the on the product. Excellent. Well, you guys have any uh, last minute things you want to push or say or hi uh, mom or anything else? Just that the, the CTP is available in the TLC area. Please drop by and, and ask more questions and pick up one of those discs. Uh, you know, we're handing out. Uh, Visual Studio Team System, um, the, uh, what do they call that? The, um, the trial SKU. So if you don't have VSTS and you, and you want to take this, this CTP, yet, the, you've got all you need uh, before you leave TechEd. Um, anything you want to add, Gert? Yeah, well, it's like the only thing is, like, take it for a spin, tell, give us your feedback, think is what you really think, and um, we'll just try to uh, make it happen, really, because, like, our goal is really to create the best experience for database developers inside VS, and that, that's what we're about. So, All right, Cameron Skinner, Gert Drapers, thank you very much. Have a great show. Have a great show. Thanks again. Hope to see you guys online. .NET Rocks can be found online at www.dotnetrocks.com and at msdn.microsoft.com slash dotnetrocks. .NET Rocks is edited each week by Jeff Maciolik, that's me, and Carl Franklin, who is also executive producer. All music heard on .NET Rocks, including Toy Boy, the theme song, is created and produced by Carl Franklin and Franklin Brothers Band. Carl Never Sleeps. 
Net Rocks is produced for Franklin's Net by Plop Productions, providing professional audio and podcasting services online at www.pwop.com. Plop, it's time to get your impact back. Yes, I'm a, a time